Hey, what's up? It's James. And teacher. We just want to tell you a few ways that you can support us. Financially. That's right. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash show. Inside the Patreon, you can find a few different packages. You got everything from like a dollar all the way up to $5,000. You know, like if you're business, you want to do some advertising, you want to be a guest on the show or something like that. But you know what? We appreciate any way you guys would like to support us. This is just another way of doing it. Or access the shop at lastreart.gallery. Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers, and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace. You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. L.A. Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of L.A. Street Art Gallery, James Chen of... Going on, bro. You look like you're in a new space, man. Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm. Uh, <laughs> we're actually in my wife's office at the uh, new house now, um, and it's like this. Uh, I'd say it's what about ten by twelve, but like separate structure from the house, and um, it's a little bit quieter out here. You know, the, the, the twins are in the other house, and the uh, the main house is actually smaller than our last house, which I love, man. I love having a smaller house. It was a bit of a nightmare during the move because before our, our last house, we were flipping houses and we had about a 7,000 square foot house pretty much staged, like almost every square foot of it. You know what I mean? Mm. And so moving into the 4,000 square foot house, pretty much almost every inch was staged, you know? And going from a 4,000 square foot house into what is about a 2,000 square foot house. We got rid of a bunch of things, but it's, uh, you know, there's not a uh, square millimeter that is not uh, <laughs> set up with something. Oh, um, well, like I said, if you have a big house, the problem with, you know, these rich people that have big houses, man, I mean, they got to buy art, art to cover the walls, I, you know, it's like, or else it just looks like kind of like a bear empty space right what do you call it staging well yeah staging that's you know if you're flipping a house and you're trying to sell a house you don't want it to be empty because mm. unfortunately a lot of buyers don't have much imagination and so when a house is staged you're like oh this is what it'll look like you know mm. um so that's weird yeah man. i already started imagining like my shit inside the house you, you know, in like uh but i guess yeah some people they they need that uh you know the realtor to well, kind of like right right about having a big house that doesn't have any art up um actually i had the when i was moving i had the uh the one day art sale which i it, i decided to make some nice deals on that day just because it was one day and there was like no notice mm -hmm. um i had about 12 people show up hey but dude every single person bought something you know, yeah, that's awesome, um, man. Made about two thousand bucks, and um, but what I noticed was as soon as my artwork was out of that house, it was very empty and sterile looking. Mm. Um, and when we first got into this house, before we got all the artwork up, you know, it just it it really makes a huge difference having artwork in a house. 
Oh, totally, you know? man. I mean, if you don't have windows, you definitely need some you need some artwork too. You know what I mean? And like uh, my house has a lot of windows, man. So sometimes I actually don't have enough room for some artwork. You know what I mean? But right. So. Uh, but yeah, man, what else you been up to? I mean, I know the move's been busy. Um, yeah, oh, I went, to Florida. went to Florida and saw my dad. I took the twins with me. And, and Tell us about that. Well, you know, dad is still, you know, functioning enough. You know, he's slowly getting, you know, uh, slower and slower. Um, but that dude still drives better than most people in L.A. So you couldn't um, take away. So you couldn't do a takeaways license, basically. No, no, okay. we made it as soon as he has a wreck. No more driving, and um, he might forget where he's going or how to get there. But when he's actually driving the car, he does a great job. Um, I took the twins fishing. Uh, did amazing. We only went out a couple of hours, but we got a bunch of mangrove snapper. Um, couple of bluefish um and dude the the weather in florida the hotness there is such a such a different hot dude it's just so humid it's like a steam bath you know mm. it is almost the same temperature in the shade as it is in the sun think about that i mean yeah. that is some thick ass air um and basically, even at night, if you're outside, you're going to be sweating. It's that humidity, man, right? Yeah. Skin looks, your, your skin's going to look great, you know? Um, but, uh, whew, yeah, very hot. I mean, by the end of the week or so, I was, you know, getting used to it. But when we first got off the airplane and, and the, the twins were like, whoa, man, what's this? <laughs> like, you guys forget about the, you know, the time you're here hot. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I went to a festival called Splash House, and um, it was in Palm Springs, and it was the opposite. It was like dry heat, you know, and um, it, I think it was like 112 degrees or something like that, which is pretty much unbearable for me. Like, I, I can't I can't really deal with uh, uh, just anything. I don't know, over 105, I think, or even oh, let's just say over 100. You know what I mean? It's just pretty bad. But the warm the warm air was so dry that you felt like you're about to pass out when you're inhaling it you know what i mean so i don't know which one's worse man is it the desert heat or is it the uh humidity at that level you know what i mean it's it's well, dude, we fuck painful 110 112 um at about 118 to 120 that's when if you breathe in through your nose really fast it actually hurts yeah, um yeah, yeah. that's when it gets ridiculous but 110 is not as bad as 90 in Florida, where we're from. Mm. Holy shit, man. It's, you just, you're sweating. You're sweating. There's Non-stop. no, no way around it. You're sweating your ass off. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, so wait, anything else, any other stories from Florida, man, uh, with the kids, you have fishing and, um, you know, hung out with pops. Uh, well, non- dude, I, um, oh my God. We, um, the, the worst thing about the whole trip, which kind of didn't allow me to go see any of my friends was my dad had a bunch of these savings bonds, EE bonds and I bonds. He okay, had about, that is. well, not about, he had 358 of them. Okay. okay. That's, that's like something like you buy the government for like war and then war bonds. And then they, they pay you back like in 30 years. 
with Sabesis, yeah. and it's supposed to be like the most stable or something like that, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, but, dude, we had to fill out the back of each one by hand. And so at the top, my dad had to sign it. And then under that, um, I had to write the address and then his uh, social security number and then um, his driver's license number, then my mom's full name and um, then another number. And it was basically, I had to write six lines handwritten on the back of every, handwritten. I couldn't like do one and then just run those things through a copier. I had to handwrite every single fight and it took me about somewhere between 13 to 15 hours <laughs> spread out over about three or four days you know actually three days because um we were there five days and i found out on friday afternoon and then so basically friday night saturday during the day saturday night and sunday um other than fixing food for the kids and taking them to have fun um that's all i did was fill out the back of these these fucking bonds and then we took him in on monday and my poor dad had to sit there and sign his name 358 fucking times. <laughs> but dude, he did it le in less than two hours. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Now, granted, the name that he was signing, you know, and, and that was it. But I was a little worried that, you know, maybe he was going to shut down at some point or whatever. But dude just plowed right through it. Well, I guess, uh, you know, your dad and celebrities have a lot in common, man. They get a uh, <laughs> you know, tired of signing, signing things over and over again, man. But uh, gave him a little taste of the Hollywood experience. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. Pretty much. How much um, did you get back from bonds? I mean, dude, it's a lot safer than crypto, man. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it was weird. Some of them I got about, um, I would say, uh, so say it was a uh, $100 bond. Mm -hmm. um, I got like $140 okay. for it. Okay. Um you know, or like 160. So, um, you know, $2,000 basically. Each one of these I'm filling out, you know, it took me about a minute or so, maybe a little bit longer. You know, each one of those is, is basically a 150, 160 bucks. So that's the way I tried to look at it, you know, to, to, to keep going. Yeah. Um, but dude, it just got, it was just maddening. It was maddening, dude. Um, but other than that, you know, Kids had a great time. Um, I enjoyed seeing them have a good time. Um, they got to go, go do everything they wanted to this time. When we were there last time, it was in January, and pretty much everything was closed down. There's a short time now where everything closes down. They do renovations, fix things up. Um, and they were bummed out, you know. And I was like, sorry, man. You know, you guys want to come to your papa for New Year's. So here we are. Um, but, yeah, this time everything was open, and I took them to do every single thing. And um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty successful uh, trip. But so now, you know, I'm back and still I've almost got the my studio completely set up um, and I'm actually cutting the first couple of stencils, um, which I had planned to have ready for the for the show today. But um, I just had some things that, that came up that I had to take care of, basically. And um, so I think by later tonight or maybe tomorrow sometime, I'll, uh, I'll shoot you a, a picture and uh, I uh, hopefully you'll like it. 
Yeah, man. Can't wait to see it, man. It's good to uh, you're getting back in work. Are you all settled in now to the house yet, or you still got a little bit settling to do? Um, like I said, I still got a little setting up to do in my studio, but um, the rest of the house is yeah, is all set up. The kids love it here, um, and yeah, I mean, the, the wife would like to have a bigger house, you know, for sure. She's she's always been a fan of big houses, but dude, I love. I love small houses. There's less to clean. There's less That's to worry true. about. You know, you know? Like, you know exactly, man. I, I I agree, man. These people that buy big houses, they they don't, you know, the property taxes. Like, you could be uh, supporting an extra person like for a year just from the property tax. You know what I mean? But, uh, dude, trimmer, trimmer. What's up? There were some trimmers that they were hitting earlier today. Now there's another one going on right now. Sorry. Let him in. Let the man in. All right, sounds good. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, Mr. Kook. Mr. Kook. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. Let's dance to the song we're playing on the radio. Welcome, Kook. How you doing? Can you hear us okay? No, you got to unmute your microphone. There you go. There you go. There he is. How's it going? Hey, fellas. Oh, there he is. Okay, now I can see him. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. We got it all working. I can't believe y'all talked me into this. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here on the show today. Zoom version. Now, oh, and and also your very first Zoom session, and uh, also a technophobe. Ah, <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? I can appreciate that. Um, I I really don't like uh, technology myself computers and all that stuff so i i'm right there with you on that um and but dude we are uh really happy to to be your first this is your first zoom meeting huh this is it apparently i did one before but it didn't it did, I, I couldn't join so this is actually my first one well dude <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today um where where are you uh speaking to us from there i'm down in the studio uh and i'm not sure how to show you all the place or anything like that i'm kind of standing uh, so I can pace, so I can pace around nervously, but I'm down on <laughs> I'm Santa Fe, just below Olympic. Nice, nice. Well, where I, I've been in this building for uh, 20 years now. What? Oh yeah. man, that looks pretty big. I'm looking around behind you there, and can, can, uh, I, move, can I go like that? Oh man, it's eight. That's it's about 700 square feet. That's nice. perfect. That's so nice and nice height. We were just talking about how small. Oh, hey, there's my coop chair. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, let's tell the audience a little bit about because uh, I feel like your street art is very unique. And I think you're the first of its kind on our show, actually, because, you know, we've had sensual artists. We've had wheat pasters. We've had sticker artists. We've even had yarn bombers come on our uh, show. But we've never had anybody that has done metal work, actually. And uh, hey, balloon you know bombers the... as well. Balloon bombers me, as well. Let me turn the fan off real quick. Okay, yeah. So I, just to kill the time while he's gone, um, yeah, as Kook has his uh, signature name going up all over town. I've always seen it for a very, very long time, and it's all made of it's a, a, like a different sheets of uh, metal letters actually cut out. So uh, I love to hear the little story about it. But let's first start off 
with uh, where are you from, Duke? I'm from Louisiana. Okay, great. New Orleans. Huh? Okay, where, where in Louisiana? New Orleans. New Orleans, okay. You ever heard of Destin? Ever heard of Destin? I was, used to go there when I was a kid in high school. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's where I'm from, dude. You're from Destin? I grew up in Destin. Oh, my God. You must hate going home now. It's so crazy. We were just yep. talking about how he went home and it was 90 degrees in humidity. And Well, uh, not just that, but, you know, when we were kids, Destin was a sleepy little fishing village. You know, there were the, uh, the, uh, the, the Spyglass Motel, the Green Giant, you know. Yes, Giant. Yeah, dude, trust me, I spent a lot of time in Destin. And then they built the, the uh, I think they called it the San Destin. Was it first high rise, six floors? Yes. We thought yep. that was a monstrosity. Green giant. Look at it now, and it's just it's it. Oh my god! What was the green giant, guys? No, the green was the green knight. The green knight, yeah. They sold. That's where you bought your liquor. They sold it to us underage kids. Okay. (laughs) And that right there, the green knight. That's where you would turn on Main Street to go down. You go all the way down to the end of Main Street. It would hit Indian Trail, and if you go left on Indian Trail and you go down a few streets on the right, that's where uh, that's where our house was. That's where. We wow. uh, got a lot about 60 years ago for a very good price, 7,500 bucks on the water. Oh my God. Well, you, wait, wait, what, what year was this? this well, when he bought it? Yeah. Uh, I think it was back in the uh, 40s. No, 50s. Oh my God. In the, no. Uh, it, you know, it was around the 50s or the 60s. But um, that, okay, we moved there in 1978. That's what it was confusing me. We moved from Fort Walton Beach to Destin, and we lived in a trailer right in the front yard <laughs> and built the house, the entire house. We would have one person that was like a specialist, like plumber or an electrician or, you know, whatever, only one other person helping us, except for the brickwork. You know, we had like a masonry help, help the whole bunch of people doing the brickwork. But that's where my dad still is now. You that's know? amazing. <laughs> Actually, one thing I did not mention, um, that also kind of sucked was when I was taking my kids to do stuff there, the parking and the traffic in Destin, fucking ridiculous. You know, a week before, the week of, and the week after July 4th are some of the busiest yeah. you know, times of the summer there. And oh my God, dude. Yeah. That part was also a nightmare. It's unfortunately, it's unrecognizable since we, since I hung out there as a, in high school. So many high rises went up. It's crazy, but I do have a dear friend who's got a fantastic house in Grayton. Oh, Grayton is nice. Grayton Beach. Now they there they did a very smart thing. They uh, they basically made it to where no one can make uh, a building higher than what is it four stories? I guess something like that. Yeah. Yeah, or not even that now. So there are none, yeah. none of no buildings yeah. that are, high. and it is so nice. I love Grayton Beach. You yeah. go visit. Or her? Wait, what? Did you ever go visit? Go back and visit him? Or her? Oh God, I visit her great all the time. Unfortunately, she's selling it. Um, it's a long story. She wants. She's she's had it for years. She's selling it. And I was like, Sean, we got to have one last blowout in in Grayton. She goes, That's exactly what we're gonna do. <laughs> she lives on a on a on a shell on a little shell street, um, and it's got a little inlet behind her, so you can paddle through that lake. And then you beach your boat, you climb the dune, and there you are on the beach. You get salty all day, then you rinse off in that, in that, that sort of tea-colored water because it's got all the tannin from the bark. And then you paddle back to the house. It's really spectacular. 
Man, this I know is... exactly what you're talking about, dude. I think. Oh, I know. Sure. I know the whole Fort Walton thing to the the, the panhandle like inside and out. You know, all we all the time. Dude, it was not unusual when we were in high school to stumble out of Tipitina's or one of those New Orleans clubs, and somebody would, you know, two o'clock in the morning, somebody would yell "road trip," and we just get in the car and drive to Destin. Oh yeah. <laughs> When, when was this in high school? Just curious. And this I graduated in 76. So we were okay. going there since 74 on, I guess. And I was about a junior, so maybe a sophomore. Nice, nice. Beautiful, dude. When we first got to Destin, there was not much there. And it was it was more, you know, woods and brush. Yeah. There was roads and houses. And it, there was a place right past Destin, the, the St. Joe Paper Company. You know, there's miles of, um, as you're going to Grayton, you pass Destin, and you've got all these miles of pine trees on your right that was owned and said St. Joe Paper Company. Say, and I, I doubt it's even still there. But it's miles and miles and miles of, uh, before you get to, to, um, to uh, what's in this town? Grayton Beach, miles Great. and miles and miles of, of a thick pine forest with little dirt tra sand trails going through it, and then just wide open beach there. And it's all, that's where we went uh, uh, naked, run, naked, uh, uh, skinny dipping all the time like nudist people running around it was i think it owned by the paper but they knew no gates on it or anything it's got to be gone by now it seems like it's well, way, when you were growing up in new orleans um what were you doing as a kid like you know before high school like growing up i grew up in uh, also in lake charles and then we okay. lived in new jersey for a while while my dad ran the nyu medical center so i'm a louisiana boy at heart but i spent a couple of years up in jersey and then moved back to louisiana um, for most of my high school and college and all that sort of crazy stuff. Nice. What was I doing? Typical New Orleans stuff, you know, um, going out at night, telling my mom I was sleeping in a friend's, but being somewhere else, teenage drinking, you know, the crazy shit. It was, it was the seventies. Um, AIDS was eight years away, maybe. Uh, drinking age was 18. We all had fake IDs at 15. And you know, they serve you in the bars. They just would serve us, you know? So it was like, we kind of, I don't, we didn't, we just kind of ran wild, but you know, not a, not a, we, I, we didn't get that much trouble because we never really got caught, frankly. But well, you it, know what? that was in, you know, I, I was a little bit after that. Um, I, uh, I graduated high school in 87, but you know, that was still when you could get away with shit. Oh, you know, dude. have a, a cell phone or a pager or, no, or anything no. where your parents could call you, know exactly where you are, like no, now, no. you know. And we just sort of ran wild. We did whatever we wanted. We had, you know, I met someone recently who said, uh, this guy goes, I've never lied to my mother. I'm like, what? I lied to my mom every day in high school because I didn't want her to know what we were up to. Are you kidding? <laughs> I had to. Well, he was a good old boy, you know. You know, I mean, this this person. But uh, let me ask you: in the seventies, when you're, you know, growing up in the in this time, what kind of music were you listening to, Coop? I have to say, um, I listened to a lot of what, um, you know, classic stuff. Like we, you know, what I got most of my music education from the jukeboxes and the bars we'd hang out. Yeah. Um, you know, the Maple Hill, the Boot was like the Tulane student bar. Well, whatever's on the jukebox. So it was a lot of like, you know, Beach Boys and uh, the Supremes and Mac the Knife. Nice. And uh, my parents listened to, um, you know, they brought home um, uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Then I got the Beatles from the lady across the street. Nice. So I had a lot of vinyl. And then some joker signed me up for an eight track program. I guess someone's trying to play a trick on me. 
So I decided all these eight tracks were gonna start arriving at the house. So I got turned on to, you know, Jethro Tull, Uriah Heep, Small Faces. Nice. So, I mean, there was stacks. I, I didn't know I didn't know they um, had they had this, a eight, eight track club because in my when I was growing up they had the CD club right and then yeah you, you so somebody was pranking me and then I said to Columbia Records I didn't order this shit and they sent me stamps to mail them back and I kept the stamps too and I was like I'm not sending this shit but I yeah. think I, I think FM radio it just this might sound crazy was invented around then because before it seemed like it was only it was only AM radio right and then I got a Marantz receiver. I got a Technics turntable. I got head, remember headphones? And I, I was listening to when in New Jersey, I was listening to KP, uh, WPLC, whatever, coming out of New York City. And we had a huge house, like a six bedroom, three, three floor, six bedroom house in New Jersey. And one night, my whole family went into the city for, for see a play or something. I don't quite remember. Left me home. I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. So it's probably 68, 69. And I had my first stereo, which I got from Sharp Electronics, right? <laughs> And I'm upstairs, it's a rainy, creepy night, and the doors, Riders on the Storm came on. Nice. Dude, it scared the living shit out of me, because I had the headphones on, you hear everything, right? Oh, yeah. There's a killer on the road. His brain is squirming like a toad. Blah, blah. Dude, I ran downstairs. I checked every door, every window, the basement door. I made sure they were locked. I'm looking out the window. I'm, co I'm convinced people are coming. This, this, this killer's after me. So that was my introduction to what I thought was the, the birth of FM radio. I don't know. Nice. And, you know, and DJs, nice. who, DJs who spoke very smoothly. Not like those guys who scream on AM. So I was fascinated by it. <laughs> that was I also no listened mass. to CBS radio, Mystery Hour, on the radio. Because I thought that was interesting. And later on, I ended up being a writer in an advertising agency. You know, I guess by listening to this shit and, and stuff like that. But I listened to pretty much... A lot of punk rock, and then I got a, a bunch of friends, a bunch of kids came down from Tulane. We discovered uh, from from the East, you know, a bunch of Tulane students. They turned me on to the Grateful Dead and Hot Tuna and Little Feet and Jesus, so many, so many more of them. I love it, man. And I then I discovered guy, punk rock, and I was like, you know what? I'm burning my tie dye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like this a lot better. And I, that's pretty much what, that's pretty much what I still listen to this day. Because um, I work in a welding studio, as you can see, and I have ah, to hear that explains a lot. Okay, I have I need to be able to hear it over the grinder, right? Okay, and Joni, hey, what, Joni, what part of, what part of uh, uh, New Jersey were you in? Bergen County, Marin okay. County, Bergen, okay. Bergen, Bergen County, Bergen. I, I, I've been around okay. there too. Nice little Bergen. Uh, it's right across the GW Bridge, up the nine W, and then you get off. It's by Closter and Oradell and places like that. Because my dad is actually from New Jersey. And he's from a little town called Waldwick. It's up near uh, Patterson. You know where Patterson is up near in the north? Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Cool. I know Patterson from the Bob Dylan song, Hurricane. In Patterson, what? that's it, isn't it in Patterson? In Patterson, that's just the way things go. You might as well not show your street unless you want to draw the heat. I think that's Patterson, bro. <laughs> right? So I listened to a lot of Dylan back then. You know, I listen to everything. I'm still an omnivore musically, but in the studio, Mostly, it's got to be pretty fucking. Uh, it can't. It can't. No, no Joni Mitchell. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I'm a Joni Mitchell fan, but not in the studio, bro. Yeah, I, you got. You're cutting metal and polishing things. Loud. Like it's actually said. very quiet in here tonight. Nice. What, but it's what do you loud. Think about, it's filthy. What do you think about like uh, rap music or like dance, electronic dance music? 
Just curious. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Dude, nice. I was nice. just listening to Public Enemy this morning. Nice. Something nice. reminded me of PE, and I was like, I put, I want to hear Chuck D. I want to hear Flavor Flav, see what Terminator X is up to. And I was in a crank of that. And then I got on to, uh, was it Run DMC, Grandmaster Flash? I was just right. re listening to Grandmaster Flash this morning, too. I was like, this is some great shit. Because this was big when I first arrived in New York City in 1980, the summer of 1988. Grandmaster Flash was just coming up. And we loved all that stuff. It was, it was nice. something different and new. And uh, so, I mean, so what got you inspired into starting Street Art? Was it during this period of time, like the graffiti and stuff like that? or? Well, um, I've always been an observer, a, a student not, that's debatable. But I've always been an observer of, of um, graffiti and the kind of things people write in the sidewalk and the things people carve into trees. And, um, you know, um, when I was a kid, I loved reading the, I, I read a couple of newspapers a day and I would always go to the classified section, right? And, and then there's, a, there's personals and people would put in ads like a, a woman's name, you know, Mary, Mary, jo, Mary Jo Blue, having left my bed and board, I am no longer responsible for her bills or upkeep or something like that. So I'd read strange things and anything sponsored by um, corporate people, I was that interested in, even though I went into advertising later. Um, odd notes, I found a suicide note in New Orleans once, I still have it, you know, a handwritten suicide note in, on a sidewalk. It was sad, mm. you know, so, ah. um, what got me into, into this? Well, you know, uh, when I moved to New York, in 88, I really started paying attention to the, to the things I was seeing in the streets, which I found very interesting. The wheat paste stuff. Um, I don't know if you all remember the Shadow Man, a guy named Richard Hamilton. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was a huge Hamilton fan because one night I'd never heard this, this maybe before I actually moved to New York. I was by myself in the East Village. And you know what these Village used to be like? Crazy a battleground i'm walking down a, a, a sketchy street in east village late at night and i pass a doorway and there's a man standing there bro i jumped back five feet got into a fucking fighting stance i mean adrenaline shot through me it was a painting it was a shadow man painting Whoa. Yeah. that's God. how that's how visceral those things were so i'm a big fan of shadow man um all the crazy shit you see spray painted all over the street uh oh yeah there you go that Exactly. I just, I, and I just found a photograph of myself standing next to a shadow man that I'll have to what? share with you later. It'll take me a while to figure it out. Dude, um, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Was, you know, I, get, I didn't know how, how big the guy was or how actually great he was then. Um, and when I moved to uh, New York in the spring, there he is. Have you ever seen the documentary? Um, it, there's a documentary about him called Shadow Man. Oh, no, you got to watch it. You have, have to, you have to watch it. It is fucking heartbreaking. Yes, it is, it's heartbreaking. If you're not in tears by the end of that, there's something wrong with you. Such a talent, such an amazing talent, but he could not conquer his heroin addiction. Yep, exactly. And his fucking nose fell off. He got nose cancer or jaw cancer in the last yep. years of his life. He just wore a cover over it. Yeah, oh, I know, I know. It's yep. sad, man. Absolutely. So I love the shadow, man. Um, you know, spray paint, weird things on the walls. And then one of, the, one of the guys I really remember from the 80s is a guy named Cost. Uh, Cost. Oh, and yeah. Cost. Mike, right? What? Is this Mike Cost? Um, he I, does I, Cost. I, I think he, that Cost. was his name. His, it's easily Googleable. But 
Googleable, but his first name's Adam. And oh, cost was everywhere. I don't know why I said Mike. I meant Adam. <laughs> yeah, Adam cost. So, but just cost. For me back then, it was cost. And fucking cost was everywhere. We paid cost plus revs. Cost, 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 fuck Madonna. Cost was here. Yep. Cost knows what's what. Cost is, and it was cost plus revs a lot. Then it was, then it was just cost. And I'd see it painted in build, on buildings, three, three floors tall. Cost. You get on a train, go out to Brooklyn. Cost. Like, who is this <laughs> fucking guy? And the crazy thing is, unfortunately, when I got to New York, I got a job in advertising. And I spent a lot of time on the Lower East Side. And I also got into drugs. Like, that was my, that was my introduction to heroin. It was, it was a 88 down in the Lower East Side. And the more fucked up I got and the crazier I got, the more I noticed cost shit. You know, like the dude provided a wallpaper for a very specific time in my life. I mean, the guy <laughs> was fucking everywhere. Cost, 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 cost. Like, how does he do it? What, what, why is he doing it? It's just black and white. It's just words on paper. It's nothing. There's no spray paint. There's no artistry, but I can't look away. I think yep. it, was, it, was, it was like almost the repetition of it. The very, the fact that he'd done it over and 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 over. That I, he, like I said, provided a wallpaper to a very specific, not always happy time in my life. You know, I, I had a job. I was in advertising. I was married, but I was getting deeper and deeper into the drugs. I ended up sleeping. Wait, how did you end up with the with the job advertising? Uh, well, I wanted to be in the advertising business. I thought I could write TV commercials and radio and print ads and all that kind of shit. Even though I kind of really, I'd, I'd done a bit of that at a small agency and I kind of bluffed my way into the hottest agency in New York. Whoa. Uh, yeah. It was, called, it was called Kershaw and Bond. Um, they were, they were- How old were you at the time? 28. Okay. I wanna, is, is this no, that's 29. I, I was not yet 30. So is I got my first that, real job uh, in advertising. You guys are talking that, about, is this the cost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cost. Yeah. I don't know if that's him because I've never met the guy. Okay. But that's his work. That, that's his work. Okay, okay. I just wanted to double check, yeah, because I was having a little bit of a trouble pulling it up because I was spelling it wrong. But well, okay. yeah, because the OST is yeah, it's gonna kind of put you in other areas. You know what I mean? Cost. Yeah, I mean the dude was <laughs> all much, over the place. What cost? What do you mean? What do you want the cost of? Yeah. Well, here's here's a, a crazy little sidebar. After I, you know, I didn't do social media for years. I was wasn't into it. People like you got to at least get an Instagram. I mean, I had a, a Facebook account, but the gallery, the galleries I was working with, they ran it, so I never looked at it. I didn't know it was on it. I don't give a shit. Um, so after I, I started uh, three years ago, six years ago, I think I started putting stuff on Instagram. They said it's easy, and it is pretty easy. Um, and then one day, I don't really pay attention to who's liking shit and stuff like that. Apparently, my style is called posting ghost. Because I put some shit up and don't come back for a couple of days. You know, oh, I, I don't monitor the shit. All the time. And when, and I don't see. I don't look to see who's liking my shit either. I don't have time for that. But one day, it's like, okay, I'm looking at it, and it's like, some. I've got a like. It says cost. And I'm like, what? So I look again. It's fucking cost. It's cost. I cannot believe it. I almost fell over backwards. Oh yeah, it's the fucking cost. It was his oh, three hundred thousand yeah. followers, whatever. And he said something nice, and I wrote him this letter, this gushing fucking fan letter. It's like, bro, you don't know how much you mean to me. My life was spiraling out of control. I'm sleeping on the streets. I got a job on Madison Avenue, but I'm sleeping on rooftops because my wife locked me out. I'm, you know, getting deeper into drugs and crazy shits happened to me. I spent a little time in the tombs, a little possession. 
charge. I've got that squash. And but I say, like, bro, you were everywhere. No matter where I laid my head, I opened an eye and there was fucking cost, cost, cost. I, you know, I'm going to make something for you. I want to make you a gift just for what you've done for me. You don't know me. I don't expect anything back. So I made him. I'll send you a picture of it later. I made him his, uh, his name, C-O-S-T, in my out of metal letters and, and welded them all together. It's kind of crazy cost looking thing. Nice. Yeah. And he, he gave me a, a P.O. box in Forest Lawn. Smart guy. Otherwise, I probably knocked on his door one day. He gave me a P.O. box. And a couple months later, completely unexpected, he sent me a fucking cost, uh, one of his cost fuck Madonna posters. Yeah. Whoa. Yes. Yeah, signed and everything. I yeah, was just going gonna... to I told him, I told him, dude, when I, the first time I saw your cost fuck Madonna, I've been laughing for 20 years over that. How hilarious is that? And he sent me one. It came all folded up. He goes, I took this on a run in Germany in 2014, but it didn't make it up on the wall that night. I still have it. And I'm sending it to you. Wow. Cause there it is. Yeah. Well, mine, mine is uh, black on white, but that's it. And there, there's no logo on the bottom. And so he sent that to me. And it's like, I swear to God, one of my favorite possessions. And I told him, I told him recently by direct mail, hey, cost, you know, before I die, I swear to God, I would kill to go out on a run with you. I'll, I'll be I'll be your slave. Anything. I just I just want to hang out and just see how it's, you know just just be around these guys. Just the fact that he noticed my shit and I knew who he was and I was a huge fan. So cost and you know all the guys do. When when I moved to New York, when you walked onto a subway car, you couldn't sit down because all of the seats were soaking wet with brand new dripping spray paint. You couldn't even <laughs> breathe for the aerosol. It was nuts. And I was like, this is fucking wild. Who are these guys? How are they getting away with this? You know, I got into a couple of abandoned railway stations and I saw some shit down there, you know, with some other junkies and stuff like that. And so I started paying attention to street art and like what, what people put on the streets. And, and then that, that guy Revs, R-E-V-S, he, oh, yeah. he's, you know, Cost and Revs work together. It's Cost plus Revs, Cost and Revs. And maybe they split up because I don't see them together. I don't quite know the whole story, honestly. And frankly, I don't really want to, I don't want to know the whole story. I, I, you know, it's like, it's like finding out, like, I don't know, you know, John Doe from X, you know, the band X and John Doe, their leader. I don't know his real name and I don't want to know his real name. I got to be friends with Exene. They're, they're one of their other singers recently. And she emailed me and on her email is her real name. And I was so disappointed because I don't want to know. I didn't want to know. You know what I mean? takes away some of the magic not really but there's i only want to know so much no i think it does actually you know like, so anyway really... check out this guy revs he, the, people still post his shit. i don't know if he's still active i mean I he has a private it. instagram but he's uh, he's also famous for um he does these out metal plates that say revs and then he welds them on the public fences like like down on the down on the fence on christie street you know christie christie park you know once you cross i think second avenue it turns into christie and then First Avenue turns into Allen. Between Christie and Allen, there's this long park from Houston all the way down to Canal. I think it's called Christie Park. I mean, I, I know it intimately, but I don't know all the names. It's a metal sign. And this guy goes yeah. around and he welds revs, cut out of metal, like, you know, quarter inch, half inch steel revs. And then somehow he welds them on these things so they stay forever. And I don't know. There you go. Look at that. That's, that's a painted one. Most of the ones I saw back in the day were just, were just rusty. And I'm, I'm curious, if I ever meet Revs, I'd say, bro, how do you fucking weld those things on? Do you pull up with, a, you, know, you know what a Bobcat is? It's a big Lincoln welder with, a, with its own gasoline motor. A, nope. it, cre it creates its own electricity, right? 
So oh, you wow. pull up, you pull up on a, with a bobcat, and a bobcat is a huge machine, probably a two thousand pound machine on the back of a truck. You start it up, you put your lead. Because I'm a welder, I don't know how it works. You put your lead on, I guess you weld it on like that, or because they're welded, bro, they ain't coming off. Or he's doing oxyacetylene welding with two, like a, an oxy bottle and an acetylene bottle, right? You know, yeah. And a piece of rod. I don't know how it's done, and I don't think I want to know. You don't see them that often. But when I see them, I was like, my God, look at this. Here's a, here's a revs in the wild. Also, another thing that really turned me on in New York back in the day, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, the things in the sidewalk, Toy and B tiles, Toy and B, I think it's T-O-Y-A-N-B-E tiles, Toy and B tiles. Hmm. Dude, I'd be walking down Fifth Avenue to my office in Soho, to my advertising agency office. You know, where I work with very good typographers and filmmakers and designers and artists and illustrators, all sort of cool shit. So I was always exposed to that kind of stuff. And I'd stop at say the corner of, uh, you know, 13th and 5th, wait for some traffic to go by. And I'd look down and there's a thing pressed into the sidewalk, like a piece of linoleum that's got all this crazy writing card. There we go, there's one. To yeah, don't toiny be tile. And they're pressed wow. into the sidewalk and they've got these otherworldly messages. I would stand there for three or four lights, like looking at it, like, what the fuck is that? What a cool <laughs> idea. Because he obviously put it on hot asphalt. And when people ran it over, it's pressed in, into wow. the surface. And there's no way it's coming out. However, if I could go back to 1988, I'd fucking get it out. <laughs> I, I, I know how to use tools. Then. I know how to use tools now. I would kill for one of those. I don't know if this guy's still active. I don't think people really know who it was. There's all, some speculation. I'm not quite sure. You can look it up yourself. But if I could go back to 1988, bro, I'd rent a jackhammer, um, maybe a compressor and a small thing, and I would pry it out of the street, and I would fucking treasure that forever. Look at this guy. Look at his writing. It's just, it's like, I don't know what he's talking about. You know, so, so I've always been interested in kind of the things you see on the streets, you know, graffiti in men's rooms. I love graffiti in men's rooms. There's some funny motherfuckers out there. <laughs> you know, not, not just, you know, here I sit brokenhearted, claimed, uh, you know, came to shit, only farted. There's, there's a lot of really funny stuff out there. So people, the way, you know what I guess I'm talking about is the way people make a mark on the world. Yes. With, with it's not corporate and it's not um, government issued. And it's not sanctioned by anyone. This guy, somebody just went out and did it. Years ago, I camped in, uh, in um, well, not years ago. I go to Yosemite frequently, but back then it was on a motorcycle. It was 30 years ago on a motorcycle. And back then, they would carve tunnels through the red, through the sequoias, these huge redwoods you could drive through. Oh, I know. Yeah. Ec 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 ecological crime. They don't do that anymore, but the ones that still exist, they've allowed him to, they've allowed him to stay. And you can go in there. And there's graffiti. You know, Mo loves Harriet, 1914, and I'm thinking of who wrote this. What are, what were they dressed in? What were they riding? Were, were they on foot? What was like 1914? Wasn't even World War One yet. What were these people like? And I'm spray just paint wasn't even invented yet at that hmm? time. Spray paint wasn't even invented. Spray yet. paint wasn't invented. <laughs> Man, if there's one thing I fucking hate seeing, it's spray paint in national parks. Oh my god. Yeah. That's, oh, you know what? Um, before we go too far. I'm curious, what um, you remember what it was that made you decide to leave your job in the advertising agency? Oh yeah, I got a pretty good idea, and they do too. Too many, too many drug meltdowns. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, famous for disappearing for days at a time. If I had gone more than 24 hours, my wife would lock me out, honestly, because you know she knew it was up. I used to tell her on Thursday, I'll be back. I'm having a drink at the boys. I'll be back in a couple hours and not come home till Tuesday. 
Where would you go? Okay, and then my key wouldn't fit. And she changed oh, the And then she, she changed the locks and she wasn't calling a locksmith. She was very handy. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not laughing at you, but that's, that's fucking clever. That yes. is, uh, that's pretty. Yes. Uh, very clever pretty girl. For a lady. Very clever girl. Very clever girl. Nothing but respect for her. You know, she kicked me out, um, rightfully so. I was, I was, a, I was, I was a, a real mess, honestly. Where would you go on these bingers, man? You, you mentioned you had some, uh, you know, you got caught up with some drugs, man. Like, uh, you know, just give us a typical. I, I, I got turned on to heroin in 80, late 88 at a recording session uh, with an engineer somewhere way down on, we're doing a voiceover for something. I don't even remember. Way down in the financial district, which is an unusual location for a recording studio. And it's just probably two o'clock in the morning. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to totally pull my covers off here. It's two o'clock in the morning. The guy lays out a white line. He goes, hey, you want some of this? I was like, eh, two o'clock, a little late for Coke. He says, this isn't Coke. I say, what is it? He says, it's heroin. I'm like, you can snort heroin? I thought you had to use a needle. I'm terrified of needles. He goes, yeah, you can snort heroin. I'm like, well, give me that shit. I'm a Lou Reed fan. Oh, <laughs> oh man i always wanted to try it but i thought you had to do a needle so when snor- oh, i can i've snorted a lot of shit i'm good at snorting thank you and that's how it started and it progressed and just got innocently enough and then it just got really bad like really bad well you know what i i actually did try um i've tried heroin before um smoking it and uh, the dragon it uh yeah i've heard that um it makes me nauseous yeah, the first time, everybody does. Not, then you, no, then you get over that shit. No, that's the thing, though. I did try it a couple more times because that's exactly what they, they said. No, just never, never worked for me. And yeah. uh, no, whatever. Did you, uh, did, you, did you always snort it or did you? I, I've never tried it. So I'm just saying, like, obviously, like, literally. I song. wouldn't recommend it. Uh, of course. Actually, you know what? Actually, I, I take that back. I recommend it highly. <laughs> Someone <laughs> asked me, what does it feel like? It's like it's like God coming down from heaven, putting his loving arms around you and sticking your his tongue in your ear. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> Unadulterated bliss. And then who would not like that? I mean, holy shit, who would not like that? I was I was snorting it in New York, and when I got then I moved from New York to Australia to take a creative director job at an advertising agency down in Melbourne. I'd been off, I'd, long story short, I'd been to Hazelden twice, Smithers twice, a bunch of other rehabs twice. I managed to get off and stayed off for five years and I got back onto it in Melbourne. Were you like smoking it or, or shooting in Melbourne, it? In Melbourne, I was snorting it and then a guy um, showed me how to use a needle. I was up in Byron Bay mm. and I, you know, a guy, I, I, I bought a bunch of heroin and a guy I was hanging out with, didn't know his name or anything, disappeared and while he was gone, I smoked you know, two or three hundred dollars worth of heroin. I had, a, I had a massive habit. And he Ooh. came back, he says, mate, wait, where's the gear? I was like, I smoked it all. He said, well, you know, with a needle, that would have lasted you three days. I said, go get one. <laughs> and, yeah, and in Byron Bay, where this, this occurred, Byron Bay being the easternmost point of Australia, get, it gets the first light. Um, Byron Bay and Melbourne and Sydney, and I think the major, the major cities, they, they have vending machines. You put a dollar in and they, they sell you a little package, a little box, and it's got 10 needles, clean water, and cotton and a spoon. Jeez, okay. And so he went and bought that. It, it's, it's to you know, uh, mitigate 
drug, uh, not drug use, but disease. You know, people use sharing right. needles. So for a dollar, you get 10 needles, blah, blah. He came back, fixed it up. You don't even need to cook this shit, bro. It's pure, it's China white right off the brick. It's not that Mexican shit they sell here in LA. And I couldn't even look. He tied my arm off. I don't want to get too graphic, but oh, he mean... tied me up. I couldn't even fucking look. But as soon as that shit hit me, I yanked the needle out of his arm and just went crazy for the next two years, sticking myself. Jeez. Crazy. Jeez. Okay. You know, so. Don't try heroin, kids. Like I would definitely go for it. <laughs> I recommend it highly. I just, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I've been off at six, 20 years now. It'll be 21 years, January 16th. Fuck you, bro. Congratulations. I'm not, I'm not a saint. I'm not a sainthood. I just don't do the hard shit anymore. You know, I smoke joints. I like weed. Uh, I'd like to drink some like nice Chardonnay. A couple of months ago, somebody gave me a mushroom for the first time in 30 years, and it was awesome. Nice, awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm not I'm planning for sainthood. I just I'm off the heroin, and I don't go to meetings anymore. But I used to. I had two felony charges here, possession charges in Los Angeles. I had to go to drug court for for 16 months. You know everything they told me to do, I had to do. I was I was their property, property of the state of California me and after 16 months they said it's all dropped i mean i was looking at a third fucking strike if i screwed up again so i did everything they said i peed in a cup i went to my meetings i went to court once a month and once as soon as it was done um i was like that's it but i'll, I'll never go back to it i'm done with it oh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you know, some people say you're still recovering i'm like no i'm fucking done whatever what i say about stuff like that or basically any kind of drug or drink or whatever is you know if you have an addictive personality type you just stay away from all that shit because yeah. you can't control it. It's an addictive thing. If you do not have the addictive uh, personality type, um, you know, maybe, but make sure you do not have the addictive personality type because uh, that, yeah. that right my is, advice, <laughs> this we're all giving advice here. Heroin, meth, they're the sketchy drugs. No, no, meth the never. I, I snorted <laughs> crank once. Like in college or something, I think which is the same thing. It's like this didn't do it for me. I did PCP once in high school. What a stupid fucking drug that is. I did it one time. I was told it was something else, and I understood how people could drown in an inch of water. I mean, it's like PCP is a lot like ketamine. It's the same family, basically. It's yeah, like not not my not my thing, man. Yes, I like yeah, a, so. I like a good high. I like to be smart, fast, funny, talk to people, run around, <laughs> dance, do my crazy shit. You know, this PCP shit, I was in, it happened in high school in gym class. And I'm like falling on my face. Like, this yeah. is awful. <laughs> well, they inject, you know, animals with it, basically. I don't even know, but I'm yeah. off that shit. But, <laughs> you know, and it's funny. I'm too old to ever have done ketamine or GBH or uh, people are telling me there's DMT. You can get DMT <laughs> in Los Angeles. You should try oh, it. What toad? Have you done the uh, smoke the toad yet? No, that's DMT, I think. They get it off the toad's oh. back. It's not? Different? It is not toad's back it's not licking a toad or anything it's finding the the right kind of toad and yeah. then works their glands onto a piece of glass that dries up you scrape that and then you smoke that yeah again, yeah those, these are uh <laughs> are not, not fun drugs you, you know i've got a friend who's trying to convince me to do the ayahuasca thing 
Uh, you know, I mean, I've done DMT. Uh, like it's a, it's a trip. You know, it's kind of like an acid trip, to be honest. Have you done? Oh, dude, that was a huge acid head head in the eighties. You know, I mean, it's just like it's not very long, to be honest. Um, they call it the business the businessman's high because it only lasts a little while. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, one of my roommates in the eighties was the biggest. I'm not gonna say his name, but it was the biggest uh, LSD dealer at Tulane. Like supplied everybody. And then while he was living with me, he got busted and did four years in Leavenworth. Oh man! Oh, okay. uh, that, that, that's not very oh, yeah. long, actually. But, there's uh, a lot of there's a lot of drugs, there's a lot of kids, and a lot of crazy shit. And we were, I mean, I look at a college freshman these days; they look so fucking innocent. I was thinking, the well, shit we were doing in college, like having pounds of this cocaine, mushrooms, ecstasy, a- all this crazy shit coming in. I look at these kids; like they look like they should, they should still be drinking milk, but that's what we were doing. Yeah, but you you know they didn't have you didn't have iPhones and sparkly no. you know movies coming off your palm of your hand basically you know they could talk to you know your friends and, and see naked girls you know and they have all sorts of other addictions man and uh, you, you know like I said this is like but anyways yeah social media you know porn all all this kind of junk online games you know what I mean like it, it's just a, you're right they are innocent and terms of like the recreational stuff that uh, people used to do but like i said i think that they have their own challenges too but um dude when i was a kid in, in new orleans in the 70s all you got was weed it was just weed it, it was probably wasn't weed. very good weed either right? oh it was horrible C- commercial mexico oh, what about, about ecstasy that didn't come in until i was in new york in the, ni- in the 90s yeah i mean uh, it, it, yeah it didn't really get popular i would say until like the er- late 80s early 90s i would say when yeah. the rave scene started happening the rave scene so. And I was going to all these crazy clubs in New York, you know, I, I stayed at a friend of mine's place at one point and she was on these super lists and, you know, remember answering machines? I was at her house one day and her answering machine went off and it says, hi, um, you're on the list tonight for the deep. It's being, you know, the location changed every week. You know, it, it's yeah. at a, it's an abandoned church tonight, starts at midnight, blah, blah, blah. If you have anybody else that gets on this list, get on. So I called back and left my, not my number. So I got on the list too. Nice. And I used to start going to these crazy club parties. You know, the music has just been made in Brooklyn maybe an hour ago. They've just yeah. recorded this crazy shit. Drugs wow. going on, ecstasy, mushrooms, people running around. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it doesn't really make for that much of a happy marriage. You know what I mean? Like I was disappearing all the time. And so that's where you're going off. It. So, you know, and meanwhile, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to stay employed. Where did the name uh, Kook come from and why Kook? Well, it's a very uninteresting story. Very short and very true. So I wanted to do something on the streets, okay? I'm a huge Banksy fan. I think Banksy's got the best job in the world. Going around the world and using cities as his canvas. And he's got a statement to make, you know, the guy's got something to say. I, and, you know, I look at Shepard Ferry and I look, you know, here's a funny one. Years ago, when I first got out of rehab, when the whole uh, Obey Giant thing was, was just taken off, they had a, an ad and some little thing and said, Obey Giant, send five, from Snickers, send $5 to a post office box in San Diego. And I was just at a rehab and fucking broke. So $5 was a lot of money, but I got a five and I mailed it to him. And I, used, I was living in a sober living, you know, it was court, a court ordered sober living, but I used my mom's house as a mailing address in Pasadena. About a week and a half later, she calls me up. She goes, come over here and get this out of here. There's some crazy envelope that's arrived for you, and I don't want this kind of thing in my house. Come get this out of here. I'm like, what? what, 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 what? I go to my mom's house, and it was the Obey Giant shit. 
all the stickers in the envelope and all this crazy stuff stamped all over it. My mom's like, get this out of here immediately. I don't want this in the house. <laughs> so, so I was like, I think that's cool stuff. I looked at all the stuff around town and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, I want to do something. Hey, I want to, I want to, you know, I'm not afraid of getting arrested, but like, it, like, what do I do? It would it'd be crazy for an old guy to start spray painting. I don't know what to do with a spray paint can. I wouldn't know what to say anyway. I don't know how to spray paint. I'm, I can't wheat paste. I'm not a graphics guy, even though cost was not graphic. It was just all verbal shit. But, you know, that's not my thing. And then, bro, I'm standing here. Can I walk around a bit? Yeah, please. All right. I'm still standing in the studio and I'm looking around and I got all these letters. These are all these letters. Is this working? Yeah. These are all these are all letters I have left over. It's like a Sesame Street from, backstage. From other pieces. From, from, other, from other pieces I made. Like, see the New York City piece? Yeah. Okay. Nice. All of, the, all of those letters, the N, the, 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 N, the E, the W, the Y, the O, the R, the K, the C-I-T-Y, all those letters fall to the ground, and then I back them with a different color. So I've got hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of already cut out letters laying around the floor. And I was like, Eureka, that's it. I'll take some metal letters and I'll screw up on a telephone pole because it makes sense. It comes right out of my practice. What should it stay? Well, people have been calling me a kook all my life. Kook it is. I mean, literally five seconds of thought. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is yeah, funny. Kook, because you know, you know, kook is a, uh, a kook is an eccentric person. Somebody who's slightly left of center, not, not malicious or evil or wicked in any kind of way, but just a little quirky. A little eccentric, a little unusual, you know, maybe beat, you know, uh, dances to the beat of a different drum kind of person, you know? So I was like, kook it is for me. Plus it's a palindrome, nice. right? Yep. I do like a palindrome. Hello. And uh, K is also for my many years of writing, being a professional writer. I will tell you, it's my own personal opinion, but don't argue with me that K is the funniest letter in the English language. You can't say fuck without a K, right? You can't say suck without a K. I mean, it's funny. And so that was it. I grabbed the first two, the first two K's and the first two O's I found on the studio floor and went to the alley behind my studio and screwed them into and screwed them into the uh, telephone pole. I'm like, that's it. Voila. Kook is born. <laughs> what, and was then that? what year I, was that? Uh, 2011. Okay. Okay. 2011. Around, around. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put up a few more of these things because it's fun. And, uh, I started, I, I cut up a bunch of K's, a, couple, a bunch of O's, and I started going on runs and putting them up late at night and availing myself. Hey, did we lose? Um, yeah, we teacher? lost teacher. I'll let him, I'll let him get back on, but just go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I, and I, I started, I, I, I've got a special uh, kook ladder. Um, I'll show you. You want to see yeah, it? Let's see it. Let's see it. All right, Kook is going to grab this uh, big ladder right now. It's taller than him. And uh, what's so special about this ladder? It's got a half circle cut in it. Okay. So when I lean it, so when I lean it against the telephone pole, it, it bites right into the pole. Oh, nice. This is a speaker magnet. Speaker magnet where I keep all the screws. And then all the... All the uh... So basically the head of the ladder is cut out huh. just so you can snug around the telephone pole. Then when I go up before it... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a little crazy here. No, Before no. I go up the ladder, 
I put all my letters on. On the magnet on the side of the like on that. the side of the uh okay. Like that. Nice. So okay, I just walk up, climb up the ladder, boom, 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 boom. That's it. <laughs> no. If you're if you're not watching this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Kook basically uh, put the ladder against the air and started climbing it for a split second, and uh, I thought we were gonna uh, it was gonna fall, but uh, no, you know you made it, you made it, man. I'm, I'm glad. It kind of fell. It's okay. <laughs> the place is a wreck and just getting more wrecked. You know. Yeah, man. Um, so, so, so basically, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just started putting them putting them up around town, and um, you know, LA is a pretty early town. You know, I spent many years in New York. And, you know, I didn't actually move to LA. I actually came here to get off the dope in Australia and got busted. So that's how I ended up here. And, um, and then I had to do this long program to get the charges dropped. I ended up just staying because of that. Um, but LA is two different cities. There's the LA that we all know during the day and then the LA late at night. I usually do my kook runs on a Sunday night um, because it's a next day is a weekday, you know, school day as they like to call it. There's usually nobody out. Yep. And I go out after midnight and uh, it's, it's like two different cities. Everybody's in bed. And the only people I see when I, when I go out like this are bums and coyotes, you know, there's <laughs> nobody out. I'm not afraid of the cops or anything. I don't, I don't think they give a shit, you know, look at all the stuff on telephone poles, but I just don't like traffic and I don't want anybody to, to I don't care if anybody sees me. It's just easier to go out late on a Sunday night. Yeah. And there's nobody out. And it's just, it's a different city. So I'm riding around, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, just putting kooks up. And this is hilarious. I'm laughing to myself. Like, Hey, I'm having fun. <laughs> I love you know? it, man. So, it, I mean, it's, it's so awesome, man. I feel like at, at your age, you're still, you know, keeping your spirits up, man. And I think that's what uh, keeps you motivated and going. Right. Well, you know, it's funny when people started noticing it, I got, I was thrilled. I'm like, you saw that you care. You liked it. It, it makes me, it emboldens me. It makes me want to put more up. Yeah. And here's the, you know, what I tell people is the first kook is the hardest one because mm. it's Sunday night. It's like December. It's cold and rainy out. You just ate some lasagna. You're watching a movie. You smoked a big joint. Everything's toasty. You get this little voice saying, go put some kooks up. No, it's cold. Go put some kooks up. <laughs> I don't want to go put some kooks up. All right, you pussy. I'll go. So you go. Okay. <laughs> You put the first one up, and bro, you turn into the fucking Hulk. I love it. And you just start going nuts. The rush. Next thing you know, the sun's coming up, or you've run out of letters, or you've run out of screws, or the batteries have died because they use battery power tools. And it's it's just, and I'm riding around. Just here's another thing: I try to keep track of where I put them every time I go out. It's like this time, I'm gonna keep a close record, dude. I write the first three down. And just like, fuck it. Eh, 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 eh. So sometimes I'll be riding around. I'll take a shortcut through a place I usually go through very often. And I'll see some kooks I've just forgotten about. Like see my own shit. And I just like seeing my stuff up. And it makes people happy. It's friendly, I think. Yeah. There's, it, there's no agenda. I don't have a message. I'm not Banksy. I'm not any of these guys. It's just, I just, it's, it, it just, it's welcoming, I think. If that makes any sense. Totally, man. I like how I like how you just you basically first of all you use metal, and that's not a like a medium that a lot of people do. Like you said, you kind of showed us uh, a, another artist that you know does the metal as well. That was kind of your inspiration, I'm guessing, right? Well, are you talking about Blake Shane? No, I was talking about Rev earlier. You're talking oh, about Revs. Rev. Yeah, well, yeah, you yeah. know what it was? It was was. There's also an artist in in, in Los Angeles. I'm sure you guys know this guy called Blake Shane. Blake Shane, let me. He's the guy that puts up uh, the silver 
I've got an uninstalled Blake Shane on my wall right here. Blake, Blake gave me this. Okay. Can you see that? Yeah, you know what? I have seen his stuff actually. Here, right there. Put... That's an uninstalled Blake Shane. Yeah, yeah. That, I have that Blake that, gave man. me. And I think have you ever looked at a Blake Shane up close and personal? Yeah, I I have I've seen him in the arts district too. But I mean I Dude, to be do, honest. Do, do yourself a favor, pull over, get out of your Lexus. Or your Jag, or uh, maybe maybe your Tesla. Get out of your Tesla and walk up to one of those things and look them up close. The workmanship is astonishing. Thousands of nails. The nail work in these things is like it's like who's the what's 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 those people who make the famous quilts? Uh, bees bees G's bend. These quilts made by old I think African American ladies back in the twenties or thirties. But the, the 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 stitching on these things, the, the, these women's work is amazing. And look at the look at the nail work close up on some of Blake Shane's stuff. It's just unfreaking believable. Oh man, you know what? You just answered. I mean, I'm looking. I'm, we just gave him a follow right now. We, he only has. I'm, I'm a 670th follower for the show. Dude, he basically. hasn't posted in five years. I don't know what happened to him. But once you notice one of his pieces, you start seeing them all over town, everywhere. Wow. Dude, it's you. just incredible. He's awesome, man. He's an amazing. He's he's older than I am, and I'm pretty fucking old, bro. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you're just listening to the audio, we're talking about a lot of times you'll see like kind of like a hubcap, and it has a special design. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and just pull it up right here. Uh, his uh, um, let me see here, right here. These, these are some of his uh, some yes. of his designs, yes. basically. Yes. Yeah. These are awesome, man. Yes. So I've always wondered who does this. So. Thank you so much for letting us know. Yes. Man. So if awesome. you look, he hasn't posted, I think, since 2017. I hope it's the, the one on the top left. I don't know what his problem is. Uh, you know, I don't know why he does. The, well, he maybe doesn't, he doesn't like social media just like you, man. So, you know what I mean? He, so. <laughs> he doesn't like it. But um, I was I was very inspired by his work. And we actually met in Chinatown about six years ago. So oh, I mean, look at his stuff. It's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Like the, the nail work. I mean, dude, I've, like, some of these things have thousands. Look at this, thousands and thousands of nails in these things. He says it takes him a couple of days. He'll spend all day on it. Wow. We're standing there in a safety vest and he'll come back the next day to finish it. Oh, wow. I think they're, I think they're phenomenal. And so I said, I asked nails. him, I said, Blake, what do you use? He says, mostly he goes to um, uh, uh, thrift stores and gets like old pots and pans and shit like that and cuts them up with with, uh, with uh, shears mm. and then wraps them around a telephone pole. And geez, look at the beadwork on these things. It's, it's, it's incredible. Oh, man, this is awesome, man. And here's another thing about Blake Shane's. His shit does not come down. <laughs> You're right. It stays up, basically. No, it's it, and not only that, but when the city, the city abatement, you know, the, the city of the, uh, the graffiti abatement goons, they will sometimes roll over. They'll just paint over. I guess it's called buffing. They'll just paint over with brown paint on a telephone pole, Blake Shane stuff. And there are people who go around with acetone and they remove the paint because of the way it is. They look, you can't tell that was ever buffed out. Yeah, I mean, so he's no got his own, he's got stuff. his own fans who will go around and restore Blake Shane's. He's got, I mean, to remove this stuff, you got to remove every single one of those nails or just replace the whole telephone pole. Well, may I right? tell you, may I tell you one interesting story? Yeah. A couple of years ago, maybe five years ago now, I take my girlfriend to uh, Fred Siegel on uh, Melrose at, at uh, Crescent Heights. You know, they had a Fred Siegel store there. Yeah. Well, Christmas shopping. We park in the parking lot. As we're walking across that little alleyway, I look up on the telephone pole 
and there is a removed Blake Shane. I have a picture of my phone, right? But I, it's going to take me too long to pull up. It's kind of boring if I start looking for it. No problem. You could tell it was a Blake Shane by the pattern. That this crazy pattern coming out from it. But somebody had probably spent two full days pulling all the nails out. So the wood was all blown out in the other direction. Mm. And, the, and the, the telephone pole had gone darker where the Blake Shane was. And there were still lighter areas where his work had been. And it was obviously very much still a Blake Shane. So I was like, even without anything there, you can still see it's a Blake Shane. And I don't know if you remember, um, if I really remember, I, there's, there's a famous piece of artwork called Erased de Kooning. Okay, well, you know, Willem de, Willem de Kooning, the famous American abstract painter. Um, I don't have an arts education, but sometimes I sound like I do. The famous <laughs> abstract painter gave a drawing to Robert Rauschenberg. So, okay, so uh, uh, Jasper Johns and, no, de Kooning, de Kooning and Rauschenberg, two of the most famous uh, the artists in, the, in, uh, in America in the, 20, in the 20th century. Uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so de Kooning gives Rauschenberg a drawing of his. This is before they were both wildly famous. They were, they, they were up and coming. What Rauschenberg did, he, had, he erased 25% of it and gave it back to Kooning. And it's known as the Erased de Kooning. It's, a, it's an incredible story. I think I'm telling it right. You know, I haven't yeah, read about the story in a long time. I just pulled it's called it Erased right de Kooning. And it's now more famous because part of it had been removed. Anyway, maybe you can find a screenshot of it. Yeah, I was, I was pulling it up right now. I, I, um... There's a story, there's, there's stories about it. But anyway, this removed Blake Shane, I say, is, was as impressive as the Erased de Kooning. Because even though it wasn't there, I knew it was still there. It was very obviously very much still there. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kook, you know what? It's today we lost teacher lost connection at some point. So uh, I'm going to see catch up with him. I think his phone probably died. But I think we got to have you on again sometime because it was you have so. Dude, much I'm just knowledge. I'm just warming up, brother. I work I work in here by myself, like you know, twelve hours a day, seven days a week. So when somebody listens, I tend to overshare. No, no, no. You you just dropped some major knowledge today from Richard Hamilton all the way to, you know, Tone Beetle NYC. I mean, these are things that I've have never been on my radar, man. You know, and it's awesome. Well, thank you. For uh, and, and like you said, Shane Blake. I mean, like I've seen his work all around town, and I've always wondered, like, I wonder who that is. You know, I uncovered. Well, here's the crazy thing: once you notice one of them, you start seeing them everywhere. That's I've seen him. As, I've seen right? him as far north. I was having lunch in Santa Barbara a year ago, and I'm sitting there at my table. I'm like, I dropped my burger and went running across the street. Yep, it's a fucking a Blake Shane. <laughs> here's another thing: Blake has an imitator. Ah. Who, who I've, I've got a photograph on my phone. I'll send it to you later. He's got an imitator who does something very similar, but it's nowhere nearly as, as labor intensive. And he calls himself fake Blake. Oh, I see. Nice. Yeah. Nice. The legacy. I fake see. Blake. And it's like, I mentioned it to Blake. I haven't talked to Blake in two years, probably. I mentioned it to Blake and he didn't seem that perturbed. You know, he's like, think, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like, a, you know, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Right. So, yeah, but I don't understand why you would do like a poor imitation of another guy's work. Another, <laughs> well, I, I don't get it. Try, maybe he's trying to do the exact thing, but he just can't get it. You know what I mean? But like, so, I think some I, I actually there, there's an um, an art store, an art supply store in 7th Street, downtown Los Angeles. I stopped at the other day and there's a fake Blake and a kook on a telephone pole right outside. And someone has written in Sharpie on the fake Blake, fake as fuck. 
<laughs> like it offended someone. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think maybe someone who knows what a real Blake Shane is and how much effort it takes and stuff like that. I, I don't know. It's interesting though, but I, I pay more attention to what I see on telephone poles and written in wet cement and written, you know, sky whatever. Yeah, no, I, mean, I do I think, any newspaper article. I think we had a guest, Rx Skulls, say very nicely one time. He's like, he said that street art is like white noise, basically. It's like you don't notice it until someone points it out and once someone points it out you can't stop hearing it yeah you, you know what i mean it's so, like a drip a drip in the bed a drip in the in the sink in the bathroom <laughs> exactly once you hear it you're not going to sleep until you either turn, turn it, it off or disconnect the water exactly hey kook so today like i said we're gonna have you on again man i love hearing some of these stories and maybe since you're in la we'll put, maybe have you in person sometime too because it'd love be it. great to have a beer uh, have a smoke with you sometime, where's where's okay? teacher located Teachers, he uh, is somewhere in like uh, L.A. North uh, Valley area, basically. Hmm. So uh, uh, we'll definitely get we'll, we'll have an in-studio session sometime soon. And I will definitely invite you, man, because uh, I, th- I feel like you have a wealth of knowledge that, uh, you know, we definitely need to uncover a little bit more because today. we I just don't, know, got if, I don't know if it's knowledge, but dude, a million crazy fucking things have happened to well, me. Like I said, we've never had anybody detail, you know, doing heroin on this podcast. And I, I think it's pretty awesome, man, that you're willing to be so vulnerable and share that with the audience. I've been off it for a long time. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking. Well, dude, about I, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you're off it, brother. Seriously, because like I said, we wouldn't be able to hear all these stories today, man. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. So I, I don't I know you're not an online guy too much, but, uh, you know, how, how can people reach you or, you know, well, if they got, wanted- you know, my Instagram is kook underscore street. You can yep. contact me through there. I've got my my art practice, which is what I've been making a living as a sculptor after being an advertising copywriter for 25 years. My others, my um, other Instagram for my gen for my art practice is Buckingham Studio DTLA. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and uh, post those that information up. But it was a pleasure talking to you, Mick, today, man, Coop. And uh, we got to have you on again. Hey, okay? you know what? I would like to say thanks for giving a shit. Hey, you know, I, you know what? That, that's what we're here for, man. To you know, let all these artists have it. Just, it just it just makes you want to go put some more kooks up. <laughs> I wore my kook shirt for you. Hit up teacher. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he would uh, join you sometime. You, you know what I mean? Maybe on a Sunday night or something, right? <laughs> we'll talk again. All right. Th- thank you so much, Coop. Thanks, we'll James. Talk I soon. appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, take care. The audience, follow us at PTTP Show. Love you guys. Take care and peace. Hey, what's up? It's James. And teacher. We just want to tell you a few ways that you can support us. Financially. That's right. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash PTTP show. Inside the Patreon, you can find a few different packages. You got everything from like a dollar all the way up to $5,000. You know, like if you're business, you want to do some advertising, you want to be a guest on the show or something like that. But you know what? We appreciate any way you guys would like to support us. This is just another way of doing it. Or access the shop at lastreart.gallery. Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers, and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace.